Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. I am your host, Ryan the Goose Gosker, here with you as always, episode 49 coming at you. When I think of the number 49, I think of a guy like Ron Guidry, who pitched for the Yankees, or another pitcher. How about a knuckleballer, Tim Wakefield, uh, who pitched for the Boston Red Sox. There's one of each for you. Keep everybody happy there. Joined by my co-host, Joel Bioqua. Joel, welcome for another. Number 49, I got to uh, I gotta think Bobby Mitchell here. Pro Football Hall of Fame, four-time Pro Bowler, three first-team All-Pros, two second-team All-Pros, NFL receptions leader when he retired, NFL receiving touchdowns leader when he retired. This is a Bobby Mitchell episode. Gotta love it. Well, let's get it rolling here. We got a lot to talk about, especially in the basketball world. We'll start there. Um, and, Joel, we saw the play-in tournament, which LeBron was quoted as saying, Somebody should be fired for making it. Uh, and, well, we're going to touch upon that, him and his team, later. But uh, let's let's get it started. I believe we're going to start in the East. Yeah, let's start um, Hornets-Pacers. Let's uh, kick off that game. Great game all around. What do you take away from this game? Oh, I mean, it was a great game for the Pacers. If you're Charlotte, you kind of wish you stayed home. Um, Indiana came out shooting the lights out of the gym. Shot the lights out of the gym. Ended up winning, I think, that game by, like, 32 uh, probably could have won it by 45 if they wanted to. Doug McDermott came out. I believe he had five threes in the first five minutes of the game. Great name. Just a stupid, absolute, ridiculous stat line. And they just couldn't miss. And they're without Karis LeVert, who's out, I believe, due to health and safety protocols. Miles Turner, who's out due to injury. Uh, they got someone else out, too. So credit to Indiana for beating Charlotte and just completely annihilated them. Charlotte, a team that was a top-six seed all year long in the East, uh, obviously, I think Miami would have eventually bumped them out, but Lamelo, you know, getting hurt and that wrist injury really kind of set their season apart. And Gordon Hayward being out too, uh, he was a lot more valuable for that team, I think, than a lot of people realize. Uh, there were reports he could have gone in the playing game, chose not to. I'm sure he'll catch some criticism for that. But uh, I mean, all around the Pacers, it was their night uh, in that in that field house. It was just their time. That brings us on to our second playing game in the East. Celtics-Wizards going on here. Jason Tatum, 50 bomb. Let's talk about that game. Yeah, I think a lot of people expected the Wizards to win this game, even though they were on the road. Uh, they had the hot Russell Westbrook, who came off of you know his umpteenth you know triple-double of his career, and Bradley Beal was playing well, and a lot of the supporting cast was playing well. So you kind of expected the Wizards, and the Celtics were going in the opposite direction. So, uh, But in the one game in the, gar- in the TD Garden, you know, Jason Tatum came up huge. Kemba Walker came up huge, too. He had five or six threes in that game. Uh, just They shot the lights out of the gym, really, uh, and protected home court. So credit to Boston and uh, Washington. You know, again, you lose this one, but you got another crack at it. So that brings us to our next playing game. It's actually Pacers-Wizards going on. Let's talk about that game. Wizards. Yeah, I, this was one of those This was one of those moments. Point for, six. This was one of those uh, uh, games where if you're Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, you kind of you had to look in the mirror. And I think uh, Charles Barkley and Shaq talked about it a lot. Great players don't have awful games two in a row. And especially come playoff time. And again, I know this is limbo technically because the NBA said, well, it's not the playoffs, but it's not the regular season. So it's just kind of floating there. It's postseason. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it, I, I guess. But, you know, again, they can't have two awful games in a row and they didn't. Uh, and they came out and they handled the Pacers, sent the Pacers packing. So Boston takes the seven seed. 
and uh, the Wizards take the eight seed in the East. And yeah, it's a miraculous miracle what the Wizards pulled off after April fourteenth. I believe they had a point six chance to make the playoffs entirely. They sealed the deal. Russell Westbrook obviously etched his name in the history books with his triple double record. I should have laid some money down. And it's, I should, yeah, I should have thrown like twenty bucks and. I'm a C's guy. Love time. the Celtics. I was really hoping Wizards took care of business that first round, so they would have <laughs> played the Nets, and that Russell Westbrook versus Harden and KD, KD. would have been great. Yeah, but see, here's the problem with that matchup: Russell Westbrook only gets two flagrant fouls. If you combine, <laughs> Harden, if you combine Harden and KD, they technically get four. So Russell's already screwed in that scenario. I mean, st- let's talk about screwing in scenarios. Grizzlies, Spurs, Spurs missed the playoffs for the first time, or excuse me, they missed the playoffs for the second consecutive season for the first time in their history ever since the 76-77 season. Let's talk about the Grizzly. What do you like about him? Yeah, I mean, it's John Morant. You know, I think he's the guy. But Dylan Brooks out of Oregon, quack, 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 uh, played exceptionally well against the Spurs, did a fantastic job. And you mentioned these Spurs teams. Uh, Listen, it's hard. They literally lost four Hall of Famers. Like in a span of a few years, you know, and you don't, you don't just recoup that, you know, you don't just bring that back, especially letting Lamarcus Aldridge go, Rudy Gay's your leading scorer, you know, it just doesn't, it, it's not working down there in San Antonio, and you wonder if Greg Popovich's days are numbered. I mean, when you think about Greg Popovich, though, best ever. Easy. I, uh, he's got it. Phil Jackson. I, I think you Phil come- Jackson is one. Uh, Popovich is definitely in that discussion right below him. Uh, he's been absolutely fantastic. That sets up the Grizzly winning to play the winner of the Lakers Warriors game. The loser. Oh, the loser. loser Excuse me. Excuse me. The loser of the Lakers Warriors game in the seven eight. Let's talk about that game. Let's talk about the numbers of that game. Yeah, that game was uh, the most watched. The average listeners was five point six million for ESPN. The largest uh, viewership since the twenty nineteen NBA Finals. Uh, it peaked at 6.1 million. Just an absolute great game, Jolan. And one of the times you actually hype a game up, and we actually get it. Like, oftentimes you just see, like, oh, the pitchers duel, you know, DeGrom versus Scherzer. Oh, it's going to be one nothing bloodbath and all this stuff. And it ends up being, like, 10-9. Both pitchers are out by the fifth inning. Like, it's just <laughs> stupid. So, you know, it was great to see a game that we had anticipated to be this great. Was that great? The, War- the Warriors dominated the first half. They were up 13. And then Alex Caruso started playing, and the Lakers became a different team. LeBron looked like he got more comfortable. I still think that ankle's an issue, uh, but he looked more comfortable in the second half, was more explosive. Anthony Davis started to play like a man, that you know, a man in the second half. So that helped. You know, and again, the defense and hustle from Caruso. They forced 15 turnovers in the second half, Jolan. Wow. The Warriors made 17 baskets in the second half. So, you know, you start playing defense like that, and the Warrior and the, the Lakers can do whatever they want. And LeBron hitting the, the absolute, you know, uh, just Drano from 34 feet is the, is, the best, is the best way I could put it. Um, in Curry's eye, said he could only see out of one eye, and then pulled the Rocky quote. Of when he's in the corner and Rocky's like, I see three of them. And Mickey's like, hit the middle one. <laughs> and, you know, LeBron quoted that in his press game uh, conference. He was uh, press conference. He saw three rims. Same for the middle one. And, uh, you know, it's crazy because it's weird to think these guys practice shots like that. Like all the time. All the time. All like, time. It's, it, it, you know, when they, because they get, 
listen, they get bored of shooting the elbow jump shot or, you know, so they try different things. Why not? Absolutely. You think Steph Curry don't, he goes to practice, I'm sure, shooting all these Shoots out of the arena before the game, yeah. So the Lakers find a way to steal one at home. They lock into the seventh seed. The Warriors now have to play the Grizzlies for the right to be the eighth seed. Yeah, 6.1 million viewers that peaked at in Lakers-Warriors, but that sets up, obviously, the eighth seed matchup. Grizzlies-Warriors, you already mentioned it. Let's talk. Does Steph Curry prevail? Does he get I do. the MVP praise he's been getting all I, year? I believe so. And listen, you know, you really look at it, and we all know when LeBron went into that playing game and he said, you know, Curry's the MVP of the league, we know part of that was to make it look like he's got a harder opponent. It's LeBron but, tactics. But then you watch Steph Curry and you're like, wait a minute, there's actually validity to that statement. A lot of it. Because you watch him and you look at his supporting cast. Like, how many how many people know a lot about Andrew Wiggins, Ken Bazemore, Brand, uh, Brandon Poole's a second-year second player, Jordan Poole, whatever his name is, uh, JTA, I don't, you know, I don't even know what his name is. You lose you've Wiseman, got, you lose Clay. Yeah, you've got an older Draymond in there. You know, you got some other, some other guys out there that are making plays. But who are they? You know, and you watch what Steph's doing, and everybody knows Steph's going to shoot it, and he still makes it anyway. He still takes it, and he still makes it. So I think you know Steph Curry, what he did this year, we we talked about it leading up to the season a lot. What can Steph Curry do without the likes of Klay Thompson? Is he that guy to carry his team to the postseason? I think they get it done against Memphis at home. I think bench bench players actually play a lot better at home. Uh, typically, they shoot the ball better. And I just think Steph Curry is at a level right now. I think they're going to make sure they get it done. And even if he doesn't go to the postseason, technically because he's in the second playing game, Steph Curry still had a phenomenal year. Oh, yeah. And you can't take anything away from him on what Absolutely he's done not. without the pieces he's had. So it's obviously been a fantastic run. But that brings us into our round one matchups now because obviously the winner of that game will play Utah. We'll start in the West. The Mavericks take on the Clippers. Let's break this game down a little bit. Kwai, PG, those guys haven't played much together. Do you see them building chemistry over the course of the postseason with their load management, with all these games kind of missed and dipped? Do you think their chemistry comes together in the postseason, or do they struggle because of that? Yeah, it's interesting. Kawhi has really taken on the role of playing a lot this yeah. year. You know, he's played, I think, almost every game. If not, he's missed just a couple. Um, but you mentioned Paul George has been awful in the postseason, uh, and this team has problems closing games. Now, again, that's the regular season. Playoff Rondo is obviously being activated, and and the, I'm sure Does playoff gonna... Rondo still have juice though. This team. Try- I mean, uh. you know, we had the same questions last year when he was on the Lakers, and he and he had it. They you know? always and, try to mesh in the postseason and just fails. And Falls again, flat. we we shall see. I think they get out of this first round matchup, but I'll tell you, Dallas is no team. I don't think this is to me. This isn't a gentleman sweep. I think this goes at least six. I could see it going seven. Do you? I I do. Really? I see this. I going, think this could be four zero. I see this sweep. going six games because I think. Luca did it last year to him. Took right. two, he took two games from him by himself, and that was that was without Kristaps. He was hurt last year. Bubble basketball, you though. know. And again, you know. So who knows? And I'm sure Dallas is going to have as close to full capacity as we've seen in the entire league this year. And it's it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be very difficult for the Clippers because I think the Mavericks have an identity at the end of the game, and the Clippers have yet to find it. In the middle of the Western Conference, we got Trailblazers Nuggets. Two teams, honestly, on the opposite ends of their seasons. Nuggets kind of declining with the loss of Jamal Murray, and then 
Blazers are red hot. Dame Lillard's red hot. Win 42 games and kept someone's home. Yeah. Let's talk yeah, about the I'm Blazers. Still waiting for the receipts on Nuggets. That. Do you think Jokic and those boys can still get it done? Because he did finish strong without Murray. Yeah, I do. I do think. I do think they get it done. I think there's a probably a five game series max. Um, you max. Know, I, I think. I think the Trailblazers. They just their defense is not great. It's it. You know, you're guaranteed to give That's up probably a hundred ten, hundred twenty a night. And you got a guy like Jokic who. I don't. I don't really see that Portland has a matchup for in terms of the skill set and what he can do and playing as disciplined as you need to play against a guy like Jokic. And uh, the addition of Aaron Gordon, I think, proves big in this series. So I like Denver to get out of the first round. They've played well without Jamal Murray. I know they can miss him down the stretch in those close games, uh, but you have to be in the close games for that to actually matter. So uh, we're we're gonna see again. I I don't put anything past Dame. You know, but I just have a feeling that Denver's going to take this series. To the outer ring of the Western Conference, um, if you could call it that, the two versus seven Suns Lakers. Um, are the Lakers underdogs here? I'm pretty sure they're favored. They are favored. Yeah, let's I, talk about the series. It's the first time I believe in 30 years that a seven seed is favored over a two, and I think probably 30 years ago was when they first started like, <laughs> actually having favorites and whatnot. Um, listen, the Lakers, whether they win this series or not, they have. They have to be considered the most dangerous seven seed ever. Like they, this team is not a seven seed. They're only a seven seed because LeBron and AD have been hurt. Uh, LeBron missed 26 of the last 30 games of the regular season. Anthony Davis missed weeks, uh, and then has been trying to get his legs back and play more aggressive. But you know, again, this Suns team is really good. You know, they this is not like they didn't luck into the two seed. They earned it. Chris Paul was great. Devin Booker continued what he found in the bubble last year uh, and just kept going. DeAndre Ayton has been terrific. Now, DeAndre Ayton and Anthony Davis is going to the matchup of the series because they're going to put Jay Crowder on LeBron, which means LeBron's basically playing one on zero. Um, he's owned Jay Crowder, I think, in, mo- <laughs> in most of his career. Jay Crowder. Um, he really has owned him most of his career. So, you know, again, I, I don't know what's going to change now. Uh, is it that Jay's a couple years younger? That hasn't seemed to matter in the past. So I, I consider LeBron going to win that matchup, uh, unless that practices. ankle really is a problem. But I think, I think you know, obviously Caruso's defense on whichever guard he's going to take, and then Anthony Davis and DeAndre Ayton going at it. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a lot. If, De, if DeAndre Ayton plays Anthony Davis to a draw, the Suns win this series. Whoa. If, if he plays Anthony Davis to a draw, and again, I don't think he. I don't think he should. If like if Anthony Davis plays to the capacity we know him to be able to, he'll destroy Deon- DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. And and I think at that point the Lakers win the series. If DeAndre Ayton plays him to a draw, I think the Suns have have as good of a chance, if not a better chance, to win the series. I'm gonna take the Lakers, and I'm. I, mm, this is tough. I'm gonna take them in seven. I you know I I think. You know, especially coming out in game one, I expect a flat Lakers team. LeBron usually tries to feel it out. So I think this goes the distance, and we haven't seen a better game seven player in the entire NBA ever than LeBron James. So that's why I would say the Lakers would win that in seven. But this is the weirdest two seven matchup I think we I think we can all agree we've ever seen, just because of the the dangerous volatility of the Lakers and what they can be if and when healthy. Also, the first matchup between Chris Paul and LeBron, and Chris Paul's year 16, LeBron's yeah. year 18. And we hope Chris stays healthy. He's had problems staying healthy in the postseason. You know, so we, Such again, a winner. We, we, hope, 
we hope he continues to stay healthy. And if Devin Booker's on fire, who knows? Yeah, again, who like, who's going to guard him? That's that's my Caruso, question. Caruso, probably. Is it going to be Schroeder? Is it going to be Caruso? Is it going to be Wes Matthews? True. You got, uh, Is it going to be That's KCP? a good question because you got to worry about CP3. You Are do. you going to throw multiple guys at You know what I mean? It gets very interesting. I think Schroeder probably goes on CP3, I would imagine. Yeah. Tries to be a pest to him. They kind of they remind me of each other in terms of just being that, like, nuisance you know, every time you're touching the ball, somebody's poking at your ribs yep. or somebody, you know, somebody's slapping at your arm. So uh, I think it, it's going to be fun. There's a lot of good matchups. And from the West, we go to the East. Obviously, we're not going to talk about the Jazz matchup because we do not know who's playing them, the Grizzly Warriors. By the way, but... regardless, I believe I believe Utah advances. Okay, we can do. We can just throw yes. that up there. Yeah, Go Bears had a fantastic season. All that good stuff. Move from the East to the West. Let's start with the 76ers and Wizards. Obviously, the Wizards just make it. 0.6 chance. 76ers and B's up for MVP. Good stuff coming out from them. Top seed. Let's talk about this. Do the Wizards have a chance? Uh, this is a five-game series. I five? Oh, more and, than not. More and, than and, thought. And it's probably because I'm giving Russell Westbrook too much credit. Um, I think him and Beal will come out, you know, either game three or game four at home and just be stupid good, you know, because, like, that's the thing with Westbrook. Like, his problem is that he shoot, he's his shooting is so inefficient that it, it shoots you out of the game, you know? So, I, But I think in one game, can he go ballistic? I do, and I think he will. And I think that's that's the thing is because, you know, they're going to have to make a choice. Ben Simmons can only guard one, right? And I think he's going to lock down whoever he guards. So, But I think the other's got to eat at that point. So, Is it too much to say that Westbrook would be the best player ever with, a like, a clean jump shot? With a There's, clean jump shot? Like with, yeah, with I mean, like listen... A, but Obviously again, not 50%, he, he would but have to do it. Forty-five percent from the field. Like. He would have to do it. He would have to do it in the biggest moments, and I think that's been his problem his whole career, is that in the biggest moments, it seems like he comes up short. We saw last year with the Rockets, he had, I believe, in a couple games in that series, eight or more turnovers, or at least six or more turnovers. That's a high number, and that's a problem when you're playing out of control and stuff like that. Again, I think him or Beal can get hot enough for them to steal one at home, maybe. Uh, so I'm going to give them one, and uh, I think the Sixers win this in, in five. But it's it's a pretty easy series for them. We move on, start working inner to, to the playoffs. The Nets and the Celtics go head-to-head. Uh-oh. Trouble yeah, in paradise for, for the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I, I don't think the capacity numbers have been announced for the Nets game. I know we're going to get to the Knicks game. Yep. Uh, they, I don't believe they've been announced for Barclays. Uh, but it's nice the team is doing, if you're sitting in the vaccinated sections, take 50% off your tickets. Hey, That's there's a, some incentive. It's a great deal. It's a great job. I, I think I talked about it. The Mets do, they do the vaccinated section, but they put them in the crampiest part of the stadium. Literally. It makes no sense. Put them in the put them right behind home you're trying plate. Trying to make money, dude. Right. You're trying to make money, but you're also trying to incentivize people to get vaccinated. What's the incentive True. So we to, get get to get vaccinated? Giving you more money. If I'm sitting in section 500 all the way at the top of the stadium, where if I fall off the stadium, I'm dead. Like it makes no sense. <laughs> One so, bad like, wind blow. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, maybe not me because I weigh enough, but like maybe somebody else. So, Smaller kid. <laughs> yeah. So like the, these incentives, like it's about time, you know. I think Brooklyn steamrolls. I think this is. Yeah. I don't know. This is four. Just yeah, say Yeah, I think it's four. Maybe Tatum gets you one. Uh, but I'll go I'll go four. No, I agree. This is probably four uh, for the Nets. And Celtics gotta rebuild. They gotta yeah. move pieces. They gotta get rid of Marcus Smart. 
just not working. Jalen Brown's hurt, obviously. But so. his value's gone down so much. Who, Marcus Smarts? You think yeah, of what you could have traded Gordon, him for? I know. Gordon, Anthony Davis uh, in a couple years ago? Yep. It's just, it's got to kill you as a Celtic fan. His value decreases seemingly every year. And it's looking like one of these things where if we don't get rid of him soon, it's going to be vet men's till he's right. retiring as a Celtic, and that's just a waste of his prime. Yep. Which is kind of sad, but we can continue into the Eastern Conference with the 4-5 matchup. Hawks, Knicks, let's talk about the, um, I actually just skipped the Bucks. we'll talk about them last for a specific reason. Hawks, Knicks, um, you mentioned the capacity things for the Knicks going on, let's talk about it. Yeah, you know, James Dolan actually makes a happy announcement, uh, the Knicks will have 15,000 at the Garden uh, for these home playoff games. I believe capacity, um, I believe capacity is somewhere around 19,000. Um, I believe I believe that's the total for the New York Knicks at the Garden. Uh, that is total capacity of twenty thousand seven hundred eighty-nine. So there's fans. Uh, you know that that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot. Fifteen thousand. That's gonna be because let's not forget the Garden's been like mini electric uh, all season, and they've had like two thousand fans there. They're like twenty five hundred people, and now they're gonna have fifteen. That place is gonna be stupid loud. It's going to be crazy. Apparently, 90% of the people going have been vaccinated, which is, again, another great thing. That means they could sit close together. It is going to be absolute pandemonium in the Garden. I like the Knicks in this series. Now, not a lot of basketball reasons why. I mean, obviously, I think their defense is great. Julius Randle's had a great year, uh, and I think the Hawks are real young. But outside of that, honestly, it's more from a fan perspective. I want to see them get to the second round. I really do. I want to see the Garden continue to rock. It's better that way. Uh, it, we, it keeps Moltner happy, and uh, you know, and, and then all's right in the world. So uh, you know, that's that's a good thing, and I want the Knicks to win this series. And I wanted to end this playoff little first uh, round going on with the rematch of the Miami Heat and the Bucks. Now I want to talk about it because there's been reports that Giannis has been saying that he does not think they could get it done. What do you think about this? Is this a Heat team where they could turn an on and off switch where they're just flipping it on and Jimmy Butler's going for 50 and 10? Or are the Bucks okay here and Giannis is kind of just putting this out there and it's kind of a warning sign to Bucks fans? Well, I'm calling the report horse you know what. I, I don't I don't think Giannis is saying that. He certainly wouldn't let it get leaked to the media because as a leader, that's the last thing you would want to do. And Across we're gonna talk, any we're, sport. We're going to talk about leadership in baseball, our baseball segment today. Um, but... No, listen, I think I think Milwaukee has flown under the radar much this year. Giannis has put up numbers similar to what he won the MVP with. Uh, they obviously haven't just haven't won as many games, but uh, I think oh this is this is a dog fight. This is why I let this put is it a last. dog <laughs> fight. This is this is He got the best of them last year. You know they can do it oh, again. Oh, they did. They absolutely did. I think they were I think they were a little bit hotter going into that series last year than they are this year. I think Milwaukee gets it done. I think Drew Holiday is the difference this year as opposed to Eric Bledsoe last year. Great addition. Um, I think he he's been great. He's been awesome. Uh, so I think and and again, I think the Heat walk into that arena and series the tougher team all six seven games whatever it takes. They got their number last year. But I think Milwaukee comes out with the series victory in the end, but it is a dogfight. It's a great it matchup. absolute dogfight. And, yeah, honestly, it all matters. Like, Jimmy Butler, if he's playing to the level he played last year, Miami could take this in six, seven games. Yeah. But if Giannis is 
doing Giannis things and that team's rolling. Drew Holiday's doing his thing. This could be 4-0. It's a really, really good series. It's interesting. It's fascinating. And even if Milwaukee gets up 2-0, we have we saw them against the Raptors two years ago with Kawhi on it. They got up 2-0 and then they lost four straight. There so this team really needs to get, you know, everybody said obviously you have to get to four wins to advance. But Milwaukee really has to, like, see that it says four wins. And we can't have a Steve Harvey moment where, like, they put up four on the screen and it's really three. You can't be having that kind of thing. Steve. I love Steve. Love him. You can't be having that kind of moment, though. <laughs> Milwaukee's got to see that four go up on the scoreboard and move on because, again, mentally, this is the toughest team they would face if they if they are to go on and win a championship. This is the toughest mental team they'll see the entire way. And if the Heat make... Uh, Not good- talent-wise, but... Mental fortitude, Miami's going to be the toughest. And if the Heat advance, Eric Spolstra is definitely going to be in the history books. Oh, of course. And with history, we move on to the MLB. History has been made this week. Goose, what's happened? Yeah, we we saw our sixth no-hitter, fifth and sixth no-hitter. So we'll run through it. Padres' Joe Musgrove kicked off a no-no season on April 9th against the Rangers. White Sox starter Carlos Rodon uh, got the Cleveland Indians on April 14th, so just a mere five days later. Uh, Baltimore's John Means no-hit the Mariners on May 5th. So now I've, I've presented you with three teams, right? The Rangers, the Cleveland Indians, and the Seattle Mariners. Correct. Now let's go to our last three no-hitters. Uh, Wade Miley of the Reds. Uh, Who no, he no-hit? He no-hit the Cleveland Indians. So oh. that's their second in less than a month. Uh, the Tigers' Spencer Turnbull no-hit the Seattle Mariners. Look at on, that. On May 18th. Less than two weeks before since they got no hit. And finally, the Yankees' Corey Kluber no hit the Texas Rangers. Uh, and that is also the Each of those teams has been no hit twice. That's awful. Now, the MLB record for no hitters in a season in modern era is seven, which happened four times, 1990, 1991, 2012, and 2015. The overall uh, goes back to 1884. We were talking a little bit about this before. It's eight. So I think either which way you slice it up and dice it, the record's going to be broken regardless because we're sitting here at the May 20-something and we're at six already, you know, and DeGrom's coming back. And he just made the St. Louis Cardinals. Syndergaard's coming back. Yeah, Syndergaard's coming back. Maybe the Mets, you know, get a no-hitter. Maybe the Mets get a legitimate no-hitter this time. You know, there's a lot of argument around that whole concept. Who's next? You know, I think that's the big question. Yankees, that was their first no-hitter, by the way. Uh, since 1999, I also believe Corey Kluber throw no hitter on the mound. He left last year, yes, sir, uh, which led to him getting uh, Tommy John surgery. Uh, so really, full circle moment Great for story. him. Really awesome. Let's stay in the corner of pitchers right now. Let's talk about um, someone who's been lights out all year. He's probably the best player, two way player we've seen in our lifetimes. Period. Best two way player the MLB has seen in a really long time. It's Otani. Leading the league with 14 home runs, a 2.39 ERA. How rare is this? Oh, it's ultra. Like, like let's he, talk about how great be, he is. He's going to be setting records that you're going to see since Babe Ruth in 1915. <laughs> they, that's just this is the it's comparison. True, None of these guys do this. Now you do it in little league. You throw, you know, you throw 90 pitches and then you go play the outfield and you hit and you do all this stuff. But when you get to the majors, we don't see this. Literally, think. Think of another guy that does what Otani's doing to his level, and you're going to land on Babe Ruth. 
And, you know, again, he's got a long way to go to get to be Babe Ruth. Yeah. But what I'm saying is the records he's going to break for a guy that does both, are it's only going to be comparable to Babe Ruth's records. Even if it's this two-month spur of him being an absolute baller, we still caught lightning in a, bo- in a bottle. He's leading the league in home runs already. He has a respectable ERA. I know, I know he's not top eight, but he's he's down there. Two three nine. Listen, two three nine is very respectable, and especially for a guy that's got to hit all the time, using up all that energy. Listen, he's great for baseball. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I love the old takes exposed came out with uh, a clip. I, I believe it was either like one of the old baseball shows where it was Francesa saying that the Yankees were lucky that they didn't get Otani, uh, and so obviously old takes exposed. Um, Hello. Know, he, he's out here doing what he's doing. So uh, just absolutely terrific. But again, on a baseball team, that where are they going? Mike Trout just got hurt. He's out six to eight weeks with a calf strain. Uh, you feel bad for the guy because, again, he was just having another great year. Uh, we talked about his slump last time that brought him down to like 349 batting. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Which is just stupid. Um, so he he's great. We hope he recovers quickly. But just the team, like, again, it's like under the radar, not really sexy. But they've got two. I think Otani's got to be one of the most marketable players in the league. And I think Trout's the best player in the league. So you have that combination. Let's. I want to see the Angels do something. Sell out. I need them to I buy them players to do something. who go, make trades. But that's the thing. They're in a great market. They have two of the best players in baseball. Why aren't they doing that? It's, right. It's and they have uh, Anthony Rendon over there at third. They've got some. I, I I think they need more pitching. I yeah, really do. it's uh, especially they, when you're closing yeah, games. Yeah, they stuff need like a big. That. They need a big time starter. Hmm. Maybe they'll trade Trout and Otani over here to New York. We'll give you Dom Smith and futures. <laughs> a couple oh, firsts, wow. couple seconds. Jolan took. Uh, he turned the force trade on. I yeah. see in in his mental. And I won't give up the Grom because the Grom. Let's talk about him coming back. Yeah, into so he had baseball. a re- he had a rehab start. Uh, topped out at 102 miles an hour. What's which is a rehab faster. start for the listeners that are casual? Uh, that's usually when you play like the local little league team. So I think he played <laughs> the Ponta Lakes little league team. Um, because he did play the Cardinals, uh, but he played, played in the low A. He played yeah. in the low A for the Mets. Yeah, and uh, he topped out at 102. I don't think he's I don't think he's thrown 102 even in, even in the when he started the season. Not yet. And uh, he faced. He went three innings, no hits, no runs, eight, uh, nine batters faced, and struck out eight of them. Oh, good lord. Um, so <laughs> it was literally like playing the Little League team. He'll be back up in the majors in no time. Uh, I expect Jacob DeGrom to come back and just be who he is, which is what the Mets need because they've been playing too many of these bullpen games. I'm sick and tired of it. Dave Peterson's been awful. We need Syndergaard back. We need Carrasco back. Seth oh, Lugo's no. got to come back. I mean, it, it's time. It's time. Like, the guys need – we need them back. We need him back now. From the light side of the Mets, there's kind of a dark side to the Mets over the past week and a half. Um, Kevin Pillar goes down. Goes down bad. Goose, let's talk about that. Yeah, just a guy that's done everything for the team. Done everything he's been asked for. Uh, everything he's been asked to do, uh, he's done it. And it's just continued to hit for this team, driving big runs. Uh, and then the other night, he got beamed in the nose. Nasty scene. Don't watch Nasty the video scene. if you can't. Do not. Handle, yeah. I haven't seen it since I watched it live. Yeah, like, that's exactly even, the type of situation I, it I is. I actually think ESPN did a great job. They didn't show a replay. Um, uh, SNY, I should say. I believe yeah. the game was on SNY. SNY, they never showed a replay uh, of the actual hit by a pitch. They showed a replay of the pitcher's reaction. You could see how distraught he was. Yeah, very upsetting. Um, you know, and again, like, that's, it's a scary moment, you know, because again, he's an inch, two inches away from losing his eye. Life, maybe. You know, and, and maybe his life if he gets hit right right in the square head of uh, square of the forehead. 
you know, I it, it's very it was a very scary scene, but good news is he was back the next day doing a press conference. He was on the field doing the uh, lineup card. I don't think he's done it since because uh, I could tell you anything from a broken nose. Those black eyes actually get worse, um, and you get to the point where you can you're lucky to see barely see. Uh, it's like yeah, and then the lights are definitely bothering you, especially since your head's probably still ringing. Your nose is probably bleeding the whole time. Yeah, but again, like you know, he's got to get it fixed, and then I believe once he gets it realigned, I believe ten to fourteen days, he can start baseball activities. Uh, and it's just great. Like I said, he's been a huge start. Pilar and VR have been absolutely terrific for the Mets so far. Uh, great additions by Steve Cohen and Sandy Alderson in the front office. Uh, they, those are at least two bright spots they've seen so far. Now, there's a great story in baseball right now, and it also has some negative connotation around it. Uh-oh. His name is Yerman Mercedes. That's a nice name. He's also yeah, he's also leading the league in batting average right now with, I believe, 358. But he's been in the headlines for some other stuff this week. Goose, what's happening over in Chicago? Yeah, when they played the Twins, they were up four, uh, 15-4 to four in the top of the ninth. And, uh, slaughtering. Yeah, and the, <laughs> the Twins brought in this position player that's kind of like taking over the internet because he's coming in multiple games this year, which kind of tells you just how bad the Twins are. Kind of a Rizzo vibe for the Cubs. Yeah, kind of, but this dude like pitches way more than Rizzo. And better. And, and better. <laughs> uh, it's got a 75-mile-an-hour heater and then a 46-mile-an-hour off-speed pitch. That's all I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it a curve change, whatever. Calling it an off-speed pitch. Um, you know, so he lie 3-0, up 15-4, and uh, Mercedes, who... From what I understand, has spent years, years in the minors, and is finally getting his opportunity in the major leagues. Uh, just went yard. First of all, hitting those slow pitches, 440 feet, that's hard to do. It really is. Like you can go around and ask these guys. It's difficult to do. Uh, that's all so, the hips. That's all hips and yeah. velocity when you're launching. And naturally, uh, everybody takes offense to it. All the old grandpas get off their lawn chairs. You know, and everybody's screaming about the unwritten rules. I'm so sick and tired of it. it. It's it's becoming an embarrassment. Like, this whole unwritten rule crap, it's done. And then, to make matters worse, they throw behind Mercedes. Pitcher gets ejected, rightfully so. And Larusa defended the guy who threw behind Mercedes. I think his exact quote was, he was dealt with in something within our family. And he defends baseball with them throwing the pitch at his head but not him defending his player for a 3-0 bomb. I don't get it. It makes no sense. It it, it, it is very, very strange. It's, Tony LaRusso has uh, been around since I think... It angers he, me. I think he's been around and alive since Babe Ruth played. I really do. Um, he is stuck in some stone age. I gotta get the exact quote. And by the way, who is the idiot that thought years ago... Well, I guess it's different because they threw slower, but to throw it guys intentionally... It's ridiculous. What if he had thrown at his... Because he, I believe he got him near the rear end. What if he had gotten him in the nose, like Pilar, or worse? Don't wish that upon nobody. No, you don't. No, but I'm saying what... Like, these guys don't understand. You're throwing at guys intentionally, and you got no idea where it's going. You have no idea what it's going to do, where it's going to go, where it's going to land. And it, God forbid it takes somebody out permanently, kills them, puts them on the DL for 60 days doesn't matter. It's inexcusable. And like I said, maybe this was acceptable because years ago they threw a lot slower. But bro, you're, they're throwing 95 to 100 now. Easily. No, thank you. Easily. No, thank you. And Tony LaRusa, damn it, you're a leader of men. You really, you, you know, and, and you really brought this into the public? You really had to say I defend it in the, 
I defend the twins in the public? After you threw out your you guy. Could, you couldn't have said that behind closed doors? You have to say that to the public. That that breaks your own old school rules. And because old school rules say everything's handled internally. Everything's handled in our locker room. I hate and he broke his own rules. And it's it's very disappointing as a player who have had coaches have been great to them. I've had great coaches throughout my whole life. And for coaches to turn their back on players, you lose the locker room fast. You lose yeah. the locker room very fast. You might lose your job really fast. Yeah, I I so don't downward slope. I don't think um, I don't think he's gonna lose his job uh, just because the owner is Jerry Reinsdorf. And he's a Hall of Famer. Um, uh, you know, that. and he's a Hall of Famer, and they both. He's know, old. Baseball's old. They, you want to draw new fans? It they, makes me mad. And they both were born in like 1910, so like I think they have that kind of like brotherhood. <laughs> they grew up in the. Great Depression. <laughs> but nonetheless, like, again, it's just unacceptable. You cannot do that to your to your own team. To your own team. And again, you didn't say it to some scout department guy or, like, your bench coach and they leaked it out, which would get them fired. You literally said this to the public. You said this for everybody to hear that you don't give a damn what happens to your player because he, quote-unquote, broke a rule that doesn't even exist. The rule never th- th- doesn't exist. Baseball you don't want me family. to hit a home run? Stop throwing meatballs down the pipe. Okay. I, I, I just can't believe he condoned letting someone throw at his player. It's, I can't like that's so crazy to me. Like I can't even like articulate how mad I am at somebody. And baseball's kind of split in half. Some are defending him. Some aren't. Like it's so weird. It's the old man get off my lawn. Uh. It, it it it's just despicable, and you hate to see it. And again, much like we actually. Much like we're watching right now in the NHL playoffs, is happening in baseball. It's going to take somebody getting permanently hurt or killed in the field of play for something to change. Yeah. Because of all these old school rules that have to go into play. You gotta throw out the player's head. You gotta, you gotta throw out the player's oh head. God. You gotta fight the guy because he hit your teammate. Like it's ridiculous. This is getting stupid. And again, somebody, and I have a bad feeling it's gonna happen in our lifetime is going to get seriously injured or killed. Yep. And and it's a sad, sad realization. So, shame on you, Tony La Russa. Either, either guys like Tony La Russa leave baseball entirely soon, or you're yeah, right, someone's going to get hurt. He was gone from baseball. And so, certainly Jerry Dude, didn't Reinsdorf. Didn't he have a DUI? Jerry Reinsdorf was like, hey, but, I mean, listen, you know, I think we should bring him back. For what reason? For what reason? You can't take the dinosaurs out of the exhibit. That's like what you did with Tony La Russa. I know how the we handle that retired. in our baseball family. Yeah, You're great. You, oh, my God, bro. Why, you line up in the batter's box. We're going to start beaming at you. How about that? And I get it. Tony La Russa, Hall of Fame coach. All right, I understand it. But sometimes you're outdated. Sometimes you're wrong. Oh, he's far and he's not backtracking. Outdated. He's not backtracking. He's not no. apologizing. No. Nope. Doubling down. I hate him. Yep. I believe he apologized to the Twins. Yeah. For, for Mercedes' actions. I'm like, What? What is going and on let here? Let me ask you something, Goose. Has a contract ever been signed because he respects the unwritten rules? Or no? No. They're, they're signed because you put up home runs, because you put up runs batted in. Because you do your job. Because you do your job. Yep. Exactly. Makes no sense to me. It's just unbelievable. And, you know, again, moving on to something else that's unbelievable. Joel, I'm going to talk a little college sports here, uh, kind of where I do my thing. First of all, Stanford uh, had a tremendous reversal this week. They have decided not to 
Uh, Shane Griffith. They have decided not to remove any of their Division One athletic programs that were scheduled to be dismissed, including wrestling. You saw Shane Griffith. Did Shane Griffith save Stanford sports? I potentially did. The uh, Bergen Catholic kid went out and wrestled in the national title. I believe he won the national title. He did title, win the national title. And he wore it in an all-black singlet, not representing Stanford because they were about to throw him to the curb. Uh, so great. You know, again, I don't know what led to that reversal, uh, but nonetheless, great for the athletes. Second, Barstool Sports put together the women's golf tournament that the NCAA randomly canceled out of nowhere. We hate the NCAA. Kind out of. in out in Scottsdale, Arizona. <laughs> they so do some good. They Barstool did a great job with this. Absolutely terrific. They brought everybody together. Uh, Riggs, who actually put the event together, uh, gave a speech the first night they were there. He was in tears. Uh, it's great to see. Again, Riggs has come a long way. Yeah, it's cool to see. It, it's a, it's a great thing to see, and it was the right thing to do. Uh, it was just sad that somebody else, except the NCAA, had to. Stand up and do it. Now, number three and my last point. University of Hartford has moved from Division One to Division Three in athletics. Why? Their, their president, well, I don't know, their president <laughs> since has basically been... The anti-sports? Non-existent. He, he's, been, he's been dodging questions left and right. He, he was supposed to give remarks at commencement and got booed and left. And did not give his remarks, did not speak, and What's did not honor leadership? his student-athletes. It is unacceptable. Again, here's here's my argument with these schools that are all, we're all like academic. You put sports on the front page of the brochure of why people need to come here. You need to give a damn about it. Yeah. Period. If you don't give a damn about it, put it on page three. Put it on page four. But no, you choose to put it on page one... Because, you know, one, people like it, and two, you like it because it brings you money. That's why. Okay? So this whole nonsense, and it's just they they, they, they had a basketball player the other day was on Sports Center for some dunk he did in some league. I don't even know what the league was. They didn't retweet it. They didn't post it. They didn't repost it. Nothing. It, again, it doesn't, the little things, the little things. And, it, like, this is, the whole, this is the whole point. I tried to explain to somebody like this. If you show up to a school and Timmy and Jimmy are in the hallway, and they fight each other, right? And you separate them, and you go up to Jimmy first, and you're ripping them. It's what we do to the NCAA. We're ripping them. And everybody's sitting there like, oh, look, Timmy's going to get off easy. And then you're done with Jimmy, the NCAA, and you turn around and you look at the schools. These schools are idiots. The same thing we looked at it with the Ivy Leagues. The, the same thing with the Nescacs at times. Sick and tired of it. If you're putting it on the front page of the brochure, it better mean something to you. Not even that. It means something to these kids that have performed in your sports. You need to honor them respectfully. I believe That's it. I As believe. a leader, men or women, if you're a leader of someone, you owe them an explanation. You owe them the courtesy of a couple words. I believe. That's it. I believe the day it was announced they were switching to Division Three. They had a baseball game, and I believe their pitcher threw a no-hitter. Jeez. And he said, I believe in the baseball gods. Because it was just unbelievable. There's, Listen, they've handled this issue wrong, much like the NCAA. And uh, it, it's been, it's a shame for the kids. It's a lot like who, the Ivies this past winter. But again, like, what does it do now for recruiting? You're now literally handicapping your program because, again, whether kids should or shouldn't, that distinction between Division One and Division Three is still there. It's, it, it kids is. are going to say, ah, I, I got these D1 offers. You guys are just Division Three. I think I'm going to go take that scholarship and then go there. Now you can't give athletic money. Exactly. So think about that now, too. It's a it's a disaster right now for the University of Hartford. 
I would I would watch for a miraculous reversal potentially coming at some point because this is not stopping anytime soon, uh, and they've made a huge grave mistake. And it's it's embarrassing. It it's, is. It's embarrassing to your school now because you have what do you say the dean or the athletic director rather? I believe that was the president. President of the school dodging questions, dodging ceremonies. It just. What's that tell you to kids wanting to go to your school? It tells you they're ashamed of their yep. decision. They mm-hmm. know they made a mistake. They can't right now reverse it. So they're dodging everything they everything they can. Bad leaders is a big trend this week. Bad leaders. That's the title of today's episode. Well, Joel, on that was episode 49. Uh, quick hitters in the NFL. Tim Tebow gets signed to the Jaguars. Tight end wearing number 85. We will keep you up to date if he even makes a roster. Yeah, Kelvin Benjamin signs with the Giants. Uh, also as a tight end. <laughs> if he makes the roster. Right. Very, very kind of weird. Uh, Julio Jones, we're going to talk next time about where he may be. And we will also talk next time about how well the University of Tight Ends are doing. Kelsey, Olsen, and I believe Kittle, or maybe I'm missing one. But a couple tight ends got together to invite other oh, tight ends from around exactly the league. Oh, I exactly what you're talking about. Indeed, it's called the University of Tight Ends, I, I believe, believe. so, yes. And, uh, yeah, tight ends are working out. They're trying to it's gonna change be a the lot game. Of fun. It's going to change the game. I bet be, it is. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, Jolan, that's going to do it for episode 49 uh, you can reach me on Twitter or Instagram, both of the same at, at Goose on the mic. Uh, pretty simple there. Joe, where might the people be able to find you and then the podcast? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at good old Joel's. You can follow our Twitter at po- uh, podcast air it out and Instagram at air it out dot podcast. Again, any questions, comments, concerns, compliments, you let us know. And, uh, you know, again, we'll, we're going to talk this week, see what we're going to do. I'm going on vacation this week, so we may see you next week. We may, it may be two weeks from now. Julio Jones may or may not have a new home. We need a Memorial Day weekend, too. Jacob DeGrom <laughs> may or may not be back by then. He better be back by then, actually. Yep. Uh, but, Joel, nonetheless, until episode 50, and until next time... Put in the books!